it's it's very very easy to point out the problem it's very very hard to find the solution but somewhere there is a balance there between saying hey listen if i'm providing a level of expertise that you currently don't have i think you should probably be paid for that mm-hmm. uh conversely if you're a young coach entering an organization or a business or a gym where and you're quite raw and you don't have anything up to contribute other than enthusiasm uh you know fresh set of eyes and some i dare, dare i say it, labor uh if you don't provide anything new or unique or complementary to what's currently existing it's very hard to put your hand out and ask for income when you're in a position where you should really be learning so mm-hmm. That being said, I think it's really up to the individual what they want to take from the situation and somewhere you have to get the balance right between saying, well, if I'm being taught and I'm learning uh, on the job, you probably aren't going to be in the same position to create leverage to actually derive income as you would be in an organisation where you are contributing a set of skills or knowledge which they don't currently have. Welcome to the Find the Gap podcast where we're going to focus on the health and well-being of the support personnel and practitioners within high-performance sport. This will act as a platform for practitioners to share their own insights and experiences that have helped them to progress to where they are today, as well as being a safe environment which they can touch upon moments of vulnerability and other emotional battles that they've had to overcome in order to be successful. My name is Sam, and thanks for joining me on Finding Gap Podcast. This podcast episode is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder is a software that performance coaches all around the world are using to build programs, distribute workouts, and track athlete progress. It is the perfect fit for professional and academy teams, sports physios, gym owners, schools, and universities. The platform includes multiple max tracking methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting features. Coaches also have the access to consultation with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up for the promo code FTG to start your 30-day free trial. So in today's episode, I'm speaking to Jay Ellis, who is the lead strength and conditioning coach for Melbourne United. Uh, So I met up with Jay a few days before we actually had a chat online for the podcast, and he's very passionate about his work. Uh, and I knew from the start that I really wanted to get him on the podcast to talk about the value that he brings to his own practice and to his own time uh, and to just get a bit of insight into his uh, experiences to date and how he keeps himself ticking along in such a, a uh, pretty intense industry. So without any further ado, here is the episode with Jay. Yeah, sweet. So, welcome to the next episode of the Find the Gap podcast. Uh, today, I've got Jay, Jay Ellis from Melbourne United. Uh, how you doing, Jay? Very well. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No worries, man. No worries. What's been going on for TA? Have you been nice and easy or have you been pretty full on? Nah, it's a busy time of the year for us, mate. So, uh, entering second week of official preseason now. So, the guys are up and running and funny old preseason this one with the basketball world cup being on in September. We're missing a few of our players at the moment, but super opportunity for them. And I guess that's uh, ultimately the goal of our, of our organization is to get guys playing at the highest level. So it's certainly something that we'll, we'll deal with and uh, move forward and hoping the best to represent Australia and New Zealand in the, in their squads. Good on you. Sounds good. Uh, when is the world cup? September, right? Or... Yeah, September. Yeah, I yeah. think it's about the, oh gosh, early September. I think, yeah, late August, early September, start date. Mate, how good. Keen to watch it. Very keen to watch it. 
uh, but just get us rolling. Uh, would you like to give us a bit of, bit of a background yourself, uh, educational background, anything you want to include on maybe a bit of a build-up to where you are today? Sure. Yeah, it's probably my least favorite thing to do is uh, start with talking about myself. But uh, yeah, just for context, I guess it's probably going to help the people listening in. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, uh, I guess we'll start where I am currently. So I'm in uh, a strength conditioning role as head of strength conditioning at Melbourne United in the NBL. So I guess for those listening in Australia, that's National Basketball League. And for those listening abroad, it's the yeah the professional basketball league we have in Australia. So yeah, been here now. Uh, entering my fifth year with the club, which has flown by pretty quickly and very grateful to have, you know, have, have had a bit of continuity in my role here. So that's been great. Prior to that, uh, filled a few different roles. So yeah, going back now, I've actually thought about it before I came on today, what my journey sort of been through so far and primarily in AFL prior to my current role, but uh, had a very, very uh, life-changing experience getting to go work in college football over in America at North Carolina State in Raleigh. That was a real turning point in my career, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. But yeah, I've probably spent my time um, cutting my teeth, so to speak, in the development pathways of AFL. So what is now that I think it's called the Coates Talent League at the time was the TAC Cup and then became the NAB League under-18s. Spent a little bit of time. I spent seven years there. I spent four years concurrently with Vic Metro with the State Pathway Program at the same stage then, which also, again, concurrently, as a lot of our roles tend to be as young SNC coaches, I spent two years at Collingwood in an internship type role and mm-hmm. then went across to America, spent about eight months at NC, uh, no, sorry, less, about six months at NC State, and then came back, got back into football and Spent three years both with Melbourne AFL and Casey VFL in a sort of a dual high performance slash uh, yeah, rehab SNC type role. So, yeah, pretty football heavy prior to about five years ago. And that's when I made my way into basketball circles via Frankston in the NBL one, where I spent mm-hmm. about six years as well. Yeah. Well, mate, I want to kind of go right into it. What what was so profound about that experience abroad in, um, in NC State and um, why has it had such a big impact on your life? In many ways, it has. I guess the thing for me is I'm sure many people, many young coaches will be in, in the same boat, is that you you start to question, A, whether SNC is what you want to do or sports science SNC as a uh, collective. I'll use those things synonymously. Uh, you start to question, is this a career path I want to take? Um, is it financially viable? Am I passionate about it? Is it something that I really do see myself doing for my career? which for people of our generation, it's quite normal to change jobs. I, I guess our parents' generation, it was sort of you pick your craft, you hone your craft, and you stick at it for your career. Yeah. Uh, for us, it's probably a bit more expected that we change career paths and change jobs. So for me, I definitely led into that strength conditioning and sports science wasn't my sole source of income. It was definitely my passion and it's something that I pursued part-time and casually, even voluntarily for a lot of it. But it was really... I went across there and just sort of said, you know, I want to find out this is what I want to do and there's no better way to immerse yourself in an experience than move abroad by yourself. I think I moved across, I think I moved 18,000 miles with 10 days notice and, yeah, quit my jobs and moved across to North Carolina State, which was the best opportunity I could find at the time. It was a chance for me to both really test my current skill set and really put that to use, but also mm-hmm. – immerse myself in a really prestigious college football strength program and uh, 
hone my craft as a coach as much as much more of a coach than a, a sports scientist, which I probably would identify leading into that point. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of packed up your bags, went for it for the first opportunity you could grab onto, and um, NC State was the one. It was, yeah. So I didn't actually apply to them, so to speak. I was very fortunate that uh, a former colleague of mine, Jamie Hepner, who now works for Catapult Sports over in America, mm-hmm. he he called me one day and said, hey, how do you feel about your career? Like, what are you doing back in Australia? Because he'd moved across to Chicago. And I sort of said, look, you know, making a couple thousand dollars a year coaching under 18s is not viable all that much longer. Um, entering my mid-20s, I was about 25, 26 at that time. You start to look and go, well, uh, eventually I want to buy a house. Eventually I want to buy another car get married, settle down, just sort of get some financial security. So I was starting to go through those thought process, I guess, yeah, in my mid-20s. And then he sort of said, well, are you heading in the right direction? I just sort of said, look, I don't know where to go from here. And he sort of put it to me and said, well, to take the next step, you need to challenge yourself uh, as a coach rather than just being a sports scientist and looking through all the data and analyzing that sort of stuff. And he said, I've got an opportunity for you over here. Uh, North Carolina State had just signed a contract to catapult. So they had, I think, 80 to 100 catapult units. And they said, look, we just, we need someone to run them and uh, provide, I wouldn't say expertise, but provide some knowledge in that area to help elevate the level of the program. And uh, I thought, I thought about it for a couple of hours and called him back and said, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and do it. And he teamed me up with a guy named Tim Brabus, who to date was one of my greatest mentors. And he just sort of said, "Look, if you're if you're keen and committed to it, let's let's do it." And it just sort of was very informal. I jumped on a plane eight or nine days later and rocked up and went from there. Okay, because I've talked to a lot of people who obviously transport or go to across the world or across cities or across states uh, for employment quite often. Um, but in terms of like the uh, space of time where you made that decision and where you um, flew over. It's quite small. Um, what what were there any kind of like vulnerabilities you were thinking about? Were you um, nervous at all going through? Were you um, or were you kind of just like we'll see how this rolls? Mix of both. Uh, mm-hmm. I still get nervous now thinking about how cavalier and reckless I was in doing that. Um, I was in a relationship at the time, um, and you know I sort of sprung it on her that I was going. I'd always put my career at the forefront at that age, right or wrong. That's mm-hmm. certainly what I did. I was pretty passionate about pursuing strength and conditioning at that time, albeit questioning, would it pay off? Um, and I think from memory, I was about three days away from going away to the national championships for football for, with, Vic, Vic, with Vic Metro. Mm-hmm. So in about the nine or 10 days that I had, five of them I was, or six of them I was interstate with the national championships. And I came home, packed my bags, spoke to my employees and said, this is the situation at hand. This is the opportunity that's presented itself and I'd be silly not to take it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I grabbed it and ran with it. And I think the the speed of which I did it probably helped because the more I thought about it, the more I would have probably talked myself out of it. Yeah, but I was thinking that. Yeah, instinctively, I sort of felt it was the right thing to do. And I'm glad I did because obviously sometimes you sort of get in your own head and can start to think, well, you know, of all the people in the world, am I the right person to do this job? You know, I'm moving a long way away from friends and family. I've got no support networks. I was currently studying my master's then as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in a relationship. There was probably, 
many reasons to say no and the speed of which I made the decision and the conviction to stick with that was probably the reason it was so successful for me. Mm-hmm. I'm looking now, obviously reflecting on it, thinking like Jesus had a massive impact on my life. Um, you wouldn't have it any other way. No, no, no. It, it, if anything, I, I wish I, I wish I could turn back time and go with that same opportunity again, because um, it's one of the things that it was a, heck of a time working over there but it went super fast and uh i just hope that i got the most out of it because there's nothing i could you know nothing more i feel like i could have done mm. uh, we had a really good season and i, I had a, a blast over there and took a lot, a lot of knowledge uh as time goes by i sort of look back and go god do i do i remember what i learned have i applied those things have i really taken those lessons on board and furthered my career which i think as time grows that will be the real test of it was how much of that information, how much of that knowledge I retained and how I apply that in my craft going forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a question following on with that, but I am just curious real quick. What, what's North Carolina like? Whereabouts was NC State? Uh, NC State's in Raleigh. Uh, oh, just by the beach, right? Pop- Beg your pardon? Just by the beach, right? No, it's a little bit inland. It's probably about, okay. uh, I'm sure, hopefully I don't mess this up for them, but I think it's about 120 miles inland. Okay. It's a... It's a beautiful city, uh, very green, great transport, super clean, very friendly people. It is it is part of the South, but I would say it's probably a very progressive part of the South and that mm. uh, I felt at ease there right away. The, the culture is very much centered around the college sports there. They have no professional teams except they have an ice hockey team, but no Major League Baseball, no NBA, no NFL. And uh, it's, a, it's a great place to live. Mm. Um, you know, felt really safe, uh, hot in winter, sorry, uh, hot in summer, cold in winter. So you definitely get both seasons, but, uh, it's surrounded by some beautiful scenery. If you ever get a chance to go to North Carolina, Asheville, uh, is beautiful down the beaches, Wilmington, uh, Myrtle mm-hmm. beach, all that sort of stuff. It's a, yeah, beautiful part of the world and probably not somewhere I would have seen if I didn't take that opportunity, because obviously as Australians, you think of America, you think of California, you think of New York, mm-hmm. you think of Miami, you think of Vegas. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, to go off the beaten track a little bit was something I, I really cherish. And I think it really enhanced the experience of adopting that as my second home. Well, I think like people similar to yourself have uh, said things like, you know, that if they didn't think about it, they want to go on there. And they think of North Carolina now as like places that have access to the beach, but also amazing mountains. And you're not too far south, Correct. too hot. And you're not too yep. far north where it's freezing cold. Uh, so it sounds like a place to go. Um, but I do want to follow on with a question uh, on your last uh, answer before on you, you taking from those experiences in America and helping you or, or thinking that you need to remind yourself of like, am I, um, am I giving, am I applying the same thing I learned then into my craft now? Uh, but following on to what we spoke about in person, uh, you were very, very passionate about your respect for your time and respecting others, respecting you as a practitioner how have you or how long has it taken you because i think a lot of people will get a lot of value out of this discussion um how long has it kind of taken you to like really be firm on like respecting for your time and and um having others value you as a practitioner not getting taken advantage of because a lot of people interns people and they're just getting into it fresh out of uni they get molded they get pushed and prodded because it is a young industry but you were very, very confident and very, very passionate about. Hey, I'm. I know my sub. I know my shit. Um, I need to be. I need to be reconversed for. I need to like my time is valuable. Uh, so yeah, would you love to just elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I guess going back to your original question, how long has it taken? It's still an evolving thing for me, and something that I'm still finding my comfort zone with. 
initially it's quite confronting when you start to say to people, well, I am a professional and my services are worth money because I'm sure a lot of personal trainers, strength conditioning coaches, uh, even allied health professionals, there's a sort of funny thing where just in social circles, whether it's family events amongst your friends, it happens to me all the time when I sort of meet acquaintances through friends of friends. You can sort of find yourself at the pub one day and people go, oh, so, you know, what's the best gym program or what's the best diet or what's this, what's that? That's from probably people outside the industry have a genuine curiosity how to get better. In those sorts of circumstances, I, I feel an obligation and a responsibility to help them where I can because to make the world a better place and a healthier place, I guess, is at the crux of what we do, something we're all passionate about, obviously different degrees depending on what your pursuit is. But when you sort of enter the industry, and I'll probably separate that as a different discussion, I guess what you're alluding to, Sam, was how to charge for your time and how to actually put a price to your time. And for me, uh, it sort of dawned on me recently that as social media grows and as content creation becomes a very viable means of income for people, the tendency is just to say yes to things, rock up, share your time often in a voluntary manner and not actually ask for recuperation or reimbursement for that. And it dawned on me recently when I was on holidays in that if we are going to take our profession seriously. It's probably somewhere where we need to grow and the responsibility to start charging for your time does not rest on the younger coaches. It rests on the experienced coaches and the people in positions of authority to just put a, a nominal fee to our time because end of the day, uh, what occurred to me was if you, uh, I'm sure if you've had any dealings with what's considered a very, you know, uh, honorable and noble profession, things like, uh, lawyers, doctors, accountants, things like that. You know, if I call my accountant and just go, oh, hey, just out of interest, uh, could I buy you a coffee and chat about my tax return? Mm-hmm. They'll go, no, I'm a, I'm a professional, book an appointment and we'll talk through it. And at the end of it, I'll provide the service and you and you pay for that. If you chat to a lawyer, lawyers will go, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you my opinion. Um, $250 an hour or $500 an hour and I'll charge an increments of 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you can't just reach out to a high-priced lawyer or a high-priced uh, doctor or a high-priced accountant and say, oh, can I buy your coffee and pick your brains and learn all your, mm-hmm. I say IP, I use the word IP loosely, um, can you teach me? Can I learn from your knowledge? Can I learn your skill set? Can you pass on some information to me? They exchange their their knowledge for income, essentially. And yet in strength conditioning, there's a sort of, I guess, this idea that you just have to provide information for free. And for some people's business model, that's quite successful. And I am certainly, you know, I've certainly provided a lot of knowledge for free and absorbed a lot of knowledge for free of other people as well. But I think for the for the industry to move forward, charging for your time and treating yourself as a professional is of paramount importance. Because if I don't deem my services to be worthwhile of being paid for, it's then very hard to convince people to pay for it if I don't believe that in my heart of hearts. So, yeah, I've sort of taken the uh, position recently, and this is an ironic way to do it. But yeah, if people want me to uh, chat to their high school, for example, or uh, do some podcast work, write an article for their website or 
just do any sort of mutual exchange of ideas and information, my 15 years of coaching and the investment I've made in myself to have that knowledge that's worth sharing has come at a cost. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really make economic sense for me to disregard all that and then pass it on for free. Having said that, uh, I've had some fabulous mentors and coaches over the time who invest some time in me when I've just sort of said, hey, can you give me some advice? Can you give me some guidance on how to push my career forward? And it's a very fine line to tread to tip something back into the industry and say, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's catch up. Let's have a chat and let's see if we can develop you in the same way that I've had some people tip some time into me. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side of that fine line is, well, at some point in time for us to all collectively, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats for us to all make a living out of strength conditioning. It comes down to people to start putting a, a fee for their service, like any other professional would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mate, hundred percent. And I think it's, it's does take time to be able to just obviously gain that confidence. But um, I think just kind of molded to the understanding that, you know, a doctor's not going to, rock them and say yeah i'll need you a cafe and just yeah quickly stitch you up on the arm kind of thing like obviously they're going to have to respect their craft and respect their time to do it properly um, for sure and as, as i said before um just leaning on doctors and law uh, lawyers and accountants as an example they're very very highly skilled in what they do mm -hmm. so when they give you 15 minutes of the time or 20 minutes of the time it's it's their time mm -hmm. and it's time that they are well entitled to bill for and 99 percent of the time they do bill for and I just can't help but feel in strength and conditioning circles, yeah, there's a lot of uh, expectation to provide content or to provide uh, workshop, you know, appearances for free of charge. And I think for us to move forward, there has to be a, a bit of a forethought to actually start to say, well, there's a reason that you want me to appear at this workshop or there's a reason you want me to write an article for you or there's a reason you want me to be on your podcast. And mm -hmm. inherently that comes down to you have some ideas or some information worth sharing and that probably comes at a, a cost to whoever wants to host it. Mm -hmm. And what do you think that does in terms of uh, a mindset of a someone just coming out of uni or someone really young in the industry? Their mindset of um, sport and exercise science is my passion kind of thing. And I've just, I've just graduated um is this this false sense of uh hope or like there's a i'm building all this energy up into you know i'm going to give away things just my time and everything for three years down the line like what how kind of a how much of an impact does that have on the mentality of guys coming just right out of uni or young practitioners yeah and and this is probably the other side of the coin that isn't often discussed and it's probably partially contradicting what i've just said hmm. I've spent a lot of time interning for free and putting free hours into my work. And ultimately that's led me to where I am now. I don't necessarily believe that we've got the balance, right? I think there's certainly opportunities that are not paid that should be paid, but also I believe there's an expectation of a lot of people these days, they should be paid no matter what. And mm. end of the day, it's up to you as an individual to make the decision on what you're drawing from that particular role. And sometimes you don't derive any income from the role, but you derive knowledge and ideas that you can then, you know, turn into your own, you can monetize them later on in your own way at your own time. Conversely, if it's not something that you're going to take a lot of development from and not something you're not going to enhance your skill set from, it's probably something where you're providing a skill set that should be actually be monetized in return. So I guess it's it's very, very easy to point out the problem. It's very, very hard to find the solution, but somewhere there is a balance there between saying, hey, listen, if I'm providing 
a level of expertise that you currently don't have, I think you should probably be paid for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, conversely, if you're a young coach entering an organization or a business or a gym where and you're quite raw and you don't have anything up to contribute other than enthusiasm, uh, you know, fresh set of eyes and some, I dare, dare I say, it, labor, uh, if you don't provide anything new or unique or complementary to what's currently existing it's very hard to put your hand out and ask for income when you're in a position where you should really be learning so that being said i think it's really up to the individual what they want to take from the situation and somewhere you have to get the balance right between saying well if i'm being taught and i'm learning learning uh, on the job you probably aren't going to be in the same position to create leverage to actually derive income as you would be in an organization where you are contributing a set of skills or knowledge, which they don't currently have. Mm -hmm. So I guess the best example of that is if you're working at a local football club as a third year or graduate exercise science student, if you're working at a local football club, odds are they don't have that skill set or that knowledge that you currently possess being at a local level, which is, which is under-resourced. So in those situations, I think you probably should be putting a price to your time. Mm-hmm. If I flip the script and you're a third year graduate, which are a dime a dozen is the reality without being disrespectful. If you're entering an AFL club or a you know an organization where there's highly credentialed people which you can learn from in exchange for your time, I think that's perfectly viable because you're not actually contributing something which well, I shouldn't say always, but you're unlikely to contribute something which they don't currently have at a greater level Mm -hmm. i.e they have a sports scientist they'll have a rehab guy they'll have a physio they'll have a high performance manager they'll have a head of strength and conditioning who are probably far superior at your craft than you are at that time so it does not make sense for them to pay you because they already have the skills at which they need but what they can offer you in return for your time is some self-development and some knowledge which sometimes is um, excuse me really beneficial yeah mate i think you're you're uh you're preaching really really good stuff here i think it's it's this balance that a lot of people either coming out of uni or who have been in the industry for some time they can't find that balance it does cause a lot of just anxiety and stress because they're not in the right space where they want to be both at home or in the in the workplace uh so uh understanding this and understanding the position that they're in and the level of knowledge i think is uh is really really um uh, really, really good to be able to get this out here, mate. So, um, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. and and look, it, it's it's a tough one because, uh, just for reference, I'm almost 34, mm-hmm. and I've been doing this now for 14, 15 years. And I'm I'm still sort of finding my comfort in actually telling people what my price is and what they will get mm-hmm. in return. But I do get considerable more comfort every year that my skill set improves, my knowledge improves. Uh, dare I say it, my resume and my reputation and the results that I've actually put out into industry, they tend to compound and they will improve over time as well. So I do find a greater sense of comfort as I get older saying I am worthy of this time. It's very difficult when you're young to say that when you're 21, 22, 23. And if you find yourself in a situation that you don't feel worthy of that, there's one of two reasons. You either lack confidence from preparation and knowledge, which is totally fine, because if you feel underprepared and underconfident, it's probably because you're just not ready to take that leap into uh, charging for your time, in which case I'd suggest those people, because I don't want to point out the problem without a solution. The solution in that circumstance is 
uh, spend more time researching, spend more time studying, spend more time learning from peers or people around you so that when you actually put a price in your name, you feel confident saying, well, I've learned from this person and I've mm. applied my results in this situation, this situation, this situation, and therefore I've got some proven results and I am worthy of time. Mm. That will then compound as you get further into your career and it does get much easier. Uh, conversely, if you're just someone who battles with the the selling side of things, which end of the day, we're in a, it's a people driven and it's a results based industry. There's a lot to be learned from actually sales skills and just saying, well, this is how to sell my services, not in a salesy way, but in a way that showcases what your skill sets are. And as I said, you get better at that when a, your skill set gets stronger and B, you get more comfortable charging for your time. hundred percent, mate. hundred percent. Um, I'll take a bit of a shift now and I want to ask more so about uh, yourself. You, you said to this at the start of the podcast that you had a bit of a busy day. You've always got a bit of a, bit of a busy day with the, obviously the boys coming through and you're running your own running your own gig at the moment, the same facility. Um, if you have a bad interaction with your, uh, with your partner in the morning or the night before or any kind of bad interaction on the way to work and you just got like a really bad mood uh, or you're just having a shitty day, how do you kind of separate that from performing in your role? Uh, how do you kind of bounce back from having a bad day when you've got to be that energy to keep this big day of yours uh, up and running? Yeah, it, it's a it's a great question. And I I don't have a specific answer or a specific routine that I address that allows me to do that. Suffice to say that I guess at the heart of what allows me to do that is I take such enjoyment from my job, which is a real blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked to be in a position that I do take enjoyment from it because it hasn't always been that way. But I walk through the doors and it's 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 where I want to be. I'm making a deliberate choice to be here every day. Um, I have had job offers as recently as the last three months, going back 10 years. I've had opportunities to explore other things and I'm making a deliberate choice each day to be where my feet are. And I do take a great sense of pride and enjoyment being at work. And that's probably a pivotal underpinning the reason I can do that. Um, going back to the original discussion, how do I do it? Well, conversely, my uh, my fiance Blair keeps me level headed. You know, she's probably the reason, one of the main reasons that I'm I can be so successful in what I do because the enjoyment and the passion I do have for my job sometimes does consume me, and she's great at helping me switch off and you know talk through things and process things to say, well, there are other parts of your life that make you. Yeah, a human being. I'm a fiance. I'm a brother. Um, I'm a son. I'm an uncle. Uh, I'm a friend to a lot of guys, and those sorts of conversations do help me a lot in balancing out my life. But I think I had a bit of a think about where this question may head, and one of the things which you and I discussed uh, off air was pressure. So if I can just sort of lean into that side of things at the moment, please do. I, I heard. I heard recently someone just describe pressure as when you sort of derive your energy from thinking about things that you can't control. And if you don't think about things that you can't control, then pressure really ceases to exist. And I found great comfort in that because there's certain things that I can't control as much as I would love to. I can't control injuries as much as I would like to. I can't control team performance on the court as much as I would like to. And I can't necessarily control player behavior or the energy levels the players bring each day mm-hmm. uh, as much as I would like to. I can certainly guide them in and compliment them and push them in the right direction. But in terms of having a direct outcome from what I do, it's it's very hard to quantify. So I take all the pressure off myself by doing 
the best I can with what I have access to, with where I am at that point in time. And I also heard a really good quote once, which is probably really profound for young coaches out there with a sort of eye on the future about where they want to get to and their ambitions. Because sometimes uh, when you're not where your feet are, you do tend to let your mind wander. And it probably does come at the expense of doing a really good job where you currently are, uh, which in turn will then affect your ability to move forward in the future. And I think to paraphrase the quote, it was something along the lines of do what you can with what you have where you are. And I think that sort of resonates with me quite well because I think back to when I started my career, uh, I was at the Western Jets and we had maybe eight dumbbells, a couple of yoga mats and one squat rack. But I found an enjoyment in that job and a real pride in that job that when you talk about doing what you can, well, body weight, basic strength movements with uh, the resources that we had with dumbbells, yoga mats, a squat rack, and we did it where we – where, where I was, which was in the uh, the shed out at Cross Reserve in Altona. And when you reduce your thinking to that sort of process of doing what you can, where you are with what you have, it does take the pressure off you because you aren't thinking about what you don't have and you aren't thinking about uh, – and therefore, when you aren't thinking about things you can't control, the pressure does tend to lift off your back quite well. So I guess for me, again, uh, I think at the heart of every successful – strength coach I know, uh, the relationships around them allow them to be successful, whether it's their their family, their friends, their colleagues, their partner, their husband, their wife, whatever it may be. Um, that's first and foremost. But second to that, you have to find a way to bring yourself back down to earth and realize that you are a small cog in a big machine and really just relieve yourself of the pressure, which allows me to do my job quite freely. Because if I was consumed by the pressure of day-to-day wins and losses or, you know, the multi-million dollar contract athletes I'm dealing with, it can be very, very confronting to work yourself up and go, oh, like, can I put weight on that bar today in case someone hurts their back? Or mm. um, can I do sprinting today in case someone tears a hamstring six days out from an important game? It's very, very easy to get consumed in those sorts of things. The only way you'll find comfort in uh, the application of those sorts of things is to actually go, well, Am I controlling what I can control? Yes. Well, then there should not be any pressure. If you start to lean into, well, I can't control this, I can't control that, you'll start to feel pressure on um, on those sorts of things. That can be really, really consuming for a young coach and a- even experienced coaches as well. Mm-hmm. Mate, 100%. And that kind of like leads in, well, you might have already answered it in a way, but of um, understanding your own limits. Um, like, do you feel like you do understand your own limits when it comes to coaching? Yeah, yep. Yeah. I I believe so. I know I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at and luckily for me I've got a fantastic team around me on court. Obviously I'm not a basketballer and uh I know when to handball it off to the coaches in that regard, but our medical team and high performance team led by Steve McAdam and uh our physios Nick Harrison and and Chloe and Lee and all the people who have come to the club and even even people that helped me out and I, I should name them both uh, Josh Kiley, uh, Lockie Butler, and Finn Kenny, who was with us a couple of years ago, uh, I lean on them as assistants to help me because you know they do offer some complementary skills to the program, which is sort of what I alluded to earlier. They are worthy of being reimbursed because they do have some complementary skills that they bring to our organisation. 
now adding on to that as well what you just said about the guys all, all the people that you just mentioned which is fantastic uh, and the con- uh, contribution they've had into the program into assisting you and how much you bounce off them which is great um but wh- how much do you consider the idea of mental health within your staff or the guys that you're involved with in your high performance program how much do you consider it obviously you think like you know they, they definitely deserve to be reimbursed for their time and the efforts they put in are very valuable to me uh, but how much do you consider, you know, their, their wellness, your own wellness within a, a high performance program as much as eating well, sleeping well, um, you know, uh, getting movement in, things like that? Yeah. Um, look, the two greatest influences on my coaching career have probably shown me the way in that regard. Uh, Nick Popovich, who is now the head of performance at Adelaide 36ers, which is ironically a... Um, a, uh, I wouldn't say enemy, but definitely an, an opponent of ours. And Tim Rabas, Tim Rabas, who is the director of football performance, formerly NC State, I believe he's in the NFL now with Carolina Panthers. Their unrelenting desire to improve themselves on a day-to-day basis in and out of the gym was something that was really eye-opening for me, um, something I still strive to be better at, to be honest. Uh I'm in a better position now than I probably have been for a little while, albeit Mm -hmm. having had a break coming back from holidays. But when my own training and my own diet and my own, say, mental health is a broad term slip, it it does have a direct impact on those around me. And I think you have an obligation and a responsibility as a professional to keep yourself in the best condition you can be. And that's inclusive of all those factors. So, uh, Managing that, we do a fantastic job as a club. I think we've got very strong leadership from our um, from our stakeholders and our management, CEO, GM, head coach, all the way down, is that we invest quite heavily in that as a club for both staff and for players. Mm-hmm. But more directly, I guess it falls under the, the banner of both Steve and I and the performance department to, yeah, drive the players, push them hard to get the best out of them, but certainly understand that the – Stress is, you know, it's uh, non-distinguishable how you want to put it on the body. The response is usually largely similar. Mm -hmm. So it's up to us to manage that stress, uh, at times promote it. You know, we want to promote stress in terms of a training effect, but we also want to manage the stress in terms of things that uh, are happening outside the four walls of the gym. Mm -hmm. And that, that extends itself to the coaching staff and the support staff around the club as well. So, um, to go into specifics is probably a little bit difficult because it probably does lend itself to identifying some individuals and how we've handled that. But yeah, we I'm, I'm pretty proud of how this organization in particular does handle that. And for me, um, yeah, my, my friends and family, <clears throat> excuse me, my friends, my family, my partner, they're fantastic in helping me manage that because I'm not the best at managing it for myself, but mm-hmm. uh, something which I am more in tune with now than what I've ever been. Yeah, mate, that's class. And this last question, I, I'm conscious of time. I don't want to take too much more um, up on the day, but um, this last one, I ask a lot of the guys that come through the pod and um, it's around influences on your life. And you've mentioned a few, which is great. So maybe you want to retouch on a few of those or go a little bit more into it. Uh, but would you be able to name maybe just like maximum three and then this can be as broad as you want. It could be a book, it could be a course, it can be a person, it could be experience like you had in NC State. Uh, it could be those two influences that you just spoke about then and how much they changed or um, motivated you to to keep digging and keep improving yourself. But uh, yeah, what would you say the main main three influences on your career have been to date, mate? 
Uh, I guess let's go chronological order. Uh, Mum and dad always were very supportive of my career choice. Uh, albeit, I'm sure at times they they ride the highs and lows as much as as much as I did. You know, like mm-hmm. they, I'm sure a lot of parents out there are probably the same. They want their kids to find their dream job, and uh, I picked a career that's probably as uh, apart from being an athlete, it's almost as probably as competitive as it gets outside of that. And I was like, well, that's what I want to do. And I'm sure they had times where they were questioning whether that was going to be viable, but their unrelenting support was always pivotal in me pursuing that. And sometimes that meant me uh, being a mooch at home much later in life than what I should have been, but, uh, you know, helping me out with uni fees, helping out with, you know, living at home accommodation, mm-hmm. uh, always supporting in my endeavors, asking how I was going was such a big thing. And they were really involved in that level of what I was doing and taking real care in how my career was progressing. So mum and dad, without a doubt, number one, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my immediate friends and family uh, and they know who they are. Plus uh, my fiance, she, you know, has been incredible for me in again. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm a very lucky man, but look, uh, we actually, we've had discussion many times around whether I pursue jobs interstate or overseas and, her support's always been unwavering in that regard. But for me, I'm very fortunate that uh, I'm 33 and I've sort of found my happy place. Um, I don't know whether uh, it will always have an affinity with Melbourne United and I want to be here for a long time. I don't know whether that will always be the case. But for now, focusing on me being the best coach I can be, this is where for my foreseeable future, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, is sort of where I want to be for now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in a very fluid industry that can change. But from an industry standpoint, uh, I I call them my Mount Rushmore of uh, influences because I they've all contributed different things and different amounts. But uh, in no particular order, uh, Christian Woodford, albeit he's a he's a peanut and he's very polarizing at times. But um, Christian Woodford, Matthew Pell, Jamie Hepner, Tim Rabus, and Nick Popovich have all been uh, great contributors to my career and. Um, I said it on the podcast with Woody, actually, if I could take 20% of all of them to make up how I am as a coach, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, with the caveat that I could probably take only 10% of Christian and add 2% to the other aforementioned names. I think that would probably be a better mix for me as an individual. But, uh, yeah, they've been really big for my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and ironically, they they may or may not hear this because they're off social media a lot, probably mm-hmm. working on their craft, which is something I definitely encourage people to do. And one of the reasons I don't do a lot of content creation, if any at all, really, because um, when I do have spare time, I sort of prioritize different things. I'll prioritize, A, getting away from work. And the way that I get away from work is either surfing, golf, snowboarding, or catching up with friends and family. Uh, They're probably my big things to totally switch off from work. But um, in regards to work, if I've got time to create content, then I should really make sure I've got time to put effort into my into my gym programs, put effort into my warm-ups, put effort into my annual periodization plans. Um, I've got time to check in on players, see how they're feeling, check in on my staff. Are they feeling like they're getting to the development they need? And all those things that do take time, which is such a valuable commodity, I would much rather prioritize it, putting it, like tipping it back into the things that uh, allow me to do my job really well, as opposed to spending time creating content and helping others. Um that may sound much more selfish than what I mean it to, but for me, 
the return on investment for tipping back into those sorts of things has been really, really good and something I'll continue to do until which time that I have a good balance in those areas. And maybe in the future, I will go down that content creation path and social media, but for, for right now, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. What is what is for you at the moment? Man? What's what's next for you? Obviously, you, you're in pre-season at the moment. The World Cup's coming up, so you've got the boys in and out. And there's a bit of a hectic time for you, but for you personally, well, what's next? Uh, well, what I'd like to be next, I'd like to see a... A boomers gold medal at the basketball world cup i'd like to see a 100%. melbourne united champ- i'd like to see a melbourne united championship in march next year and i'd like to see a few of our guys get out of here to be honest uh, mm-hmm. if i'm doing my job the best way i can and the club is as successful as we want the club to be then we should have a massive turnover because guys should be in the nba or europe or making big money in their basketball careers and we should be a stepping stone along that journey until such time the league is a you know, a dominant world force, which I think it, it has the potential to be in the future. But right now, my main goal is to get as many of our guys to maximize themselves, which reality is the NBA contracts. So mm-hmm. that's what's next for, I guess, not just me, but the people around me. And what's next for me? Uh, as, as I sort of said before, it's sort of a boring answer and it's a little bit cliche, but I'll just be where my feet are and, you know, just keep trying to, be a better coach because I, I have a really happy place here. I found a great balance in my life where anything I need to get away from work-wise I can do in terms of access to beaches, golf courses, friends, family, which is inherently why I've chosen to to be here. Uh, but I do take such great pride and enjoyment from coming to work each day that I'd be, I'd be silly to move on from the opportunity I've got prematurely. So until mm-hmm. such time that changes, I, I hope to be here. Mm-hmm. mate to be fair out of a lot of the answers that have come through that question on the pod that's one of the best that last little bit there about being where you are currently under your feet that's that's class and in terms of the area and being in where we are in melbourne i can fully agree with you just the access we have to beaches and the access to we have to go a little bit inland you've got amazing hikes and you know you've got your family friends close and you're you're, you're pretty set so yeah, and you, look, maybe uh, hopefully next time we talk, mate, maybe a few shots off the golf handicap wouldn't go astray if I had to be really, if I had to be really picky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a little side pursuit for me. No, mate, good on you, good on you, Jay. We're done for the day. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy man, but yeah, like I said, very much appreciate what you said. I think a lot of guys are going to get something out of this. A lot of guys coming out of the industry, guys who've been it for a while, um, understanding your mindset and your way of doing things and uh, what you preach today has been golden. So may I pre- hang on for a second. We'll have a bit of a chat, uh, but apart from the pod, we're, we're done. Yeah, Thanks, man. N- no problem. And what I will say, mate, before you, um, before Please you finish do. it up, I should, I should clarify that uh, as I said before, if I didn't give enough respect as it deserves, I really should double down on it that uh, I am always open to people who need a chat and people that need um, advice or career guidance or that sort of thing. Like when I said, I, I monetize my time, that's in the, in the professional sense. So when you're getting me as the professional, the X's and O's, the sets and reps, the programming IP type stuff, that's something where I do monetize my time. But uh, for people out there who are looking for guidance, ideas, advice in terms of how to progress their career from that regard, that's not my professional skill set it's only my opinion and for that reason i'm always open for a chat so i don't do a lot of social media stuff at all you won't find me uh coach j linkedin or a coach j instagram that sort of thing but um yeah sam will have my contact details via this podcast through i preferentially prefer guys reach out via uh linkedin email phone uh as i keep my social media channels a bit more personal but yeah having said that for those out there i want to clarify that I, i'm always open because i've had some great people help me along the journey and if i can help others along the way i'd be thrilled to mm-hmm. um 
albeit that's definitely not my uh, professional skill set. It's not in career development. It's certainly strength and conditioning at this point in time. Done, man. Yeah, I'll attach a lot to the show notes. No issue at all. Cool. All right, man. Like I said, we're done. I'll speak to you for a second, but um, thank you very much for your time. No worries, mate. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. So thanks to Jay for giving up the time to uh, come on the episode. So thanks very much, mate. Do appreciate it very much so. Uh, it was great to get your insight in just the way that you appreciate your time and that you value your time. And I think a lot of guys coming out of union who are also in the industry to date will get a lot out of that into learning how to respect the time that they put into um, their work to date and how they can move forward with that and uh, communicate with organizations and with people respecting their own time and respecting where they should be so yeah, it's a very uh, good lesson to be learned a lot of people out there and it's a good topic to be discussing um, especially people just coming out of uni who are willing to give up their um, their time for organizations without uh, with any second thought but as you progress through your life you get married you have kids you have other responsibilities that time becomes even more valuable so a lot of uh, a lot of dimes in there from Jay, so thank you very much, mate. And also to get your experiences of going overseas at such a young age in such a, a spontaneous way, uh, it's a lot of people are doing that uh, and are running into complications along the way. So it's good to get your insight how you did it so successfully and how um, how you credit a lot of your learnings today because of your experiences. So thank you very much, mate. And thank you to Stance for letting us use the music for this episode, and also to Team Builder for the sponsor of this episode. Thank you for listening, as always, and I will speak to you guys in the next few weeks. Thank you very much.